Hello, healthy people. I hope this finds you very well today. Here we are uh, at the Seek Health Check. I've uh, got the team back again, and today we're focusing on recruiting personal care workers into regional areas. Uh, we know this is quite a tough thing. So we're going to dissect this into, into problems first up, what are some of the problems we hear from clients, and then we'll go into some of the solutions. Um, so we'll get straight into it. We'll try and be a bit tight with this one. Uh, so problems, where do we want to start? Has anyone sort of got any problems in this space? I would say that from my clients, I've been chatting with the challenge for the centralised TA team specifically in recruiting for more regional locations has been more around that they don't understand that subculture or little microcosm um, of culture that exists at those regional sites. And you can't really hire um, based on the metro sites. So that's kind of been quite difficult in terms of long-term retention as well. Uh, generally, I think it's we would all agree on this call right now that there's just a lack of candidates in regional locations um, already and this was really exacerbated last year through COVID when uh, the one site policy came in so you had suddenly employees having to choose between you know two or three homes and the additional need to recruit to replace them so they're some of the challenges I've been hearing um, out in the market. Yeah great thanks Steph um, I mean for me I think it's probably good to dissect it into local candidates and and those candidates that that are in in well basically live in other areas potentially metro but also potentially neighboring regional areas um, so looking at the local side first i think probably this lack of understanding of what we offer as an organization versus our direct competition so i think understanding what are our unique selling points what do we actually offer whether that's from a, a remuneration or a benefits or a career path perspective that can, can help us stand out because, you know, if you're looking to potentially attract someone from a competitor, well, you know, that's what candidates want to know. I mean, that's clear from our perspective. Um, and if we look at the other side, I think we look at outside of the area. Um, I think there's definitely a lack of understanding and, and definitely a lot of assumptions made around what it is like to live in certain regional areas. Um, and some of those are, some of those are probably right sometimes some of them are wrong and I think one of the biggest challenges that candidates tend to have when they do relocate is how to integrate into that community because a lot of the time these are very tight-knit communities and you know I've, I've, I remember speaking to a, a customer a while back who'd said that he'd actually done this and he'd done he joined the Toastmasters he joined every possible social club he could and he basically said, look, unless you, you meet someone and you're married off within 12 months, 18 months, you'll probably leave within that two year window. So I think it's a real challenge. So I think helping candidates really understand and integrate is, is going to help you attract and retain these people. Uh, the other side, I think for me is, is relocation costs. I think if you're, if you're looking to ask people to relocate from metro areas, it's a factor. It's not, you know, it's not really that easy for everyone to up sticks and leave um, and we know I mean I know Steph you'd mentioned about there are some individuals quite a lot of individuals actually that are willing to actually travel on a daily day-to-day -day basis so they're willing to jump in the car and drive for an hour potentially if the opportunity presents itself yeah. but from what you said there's a bit of perhaps bias yeah, or there's a little bit of bias that. in terms of you know would discounting a candidate's intention to drive an hour to and from work 
Mm. Are they really in it for the long haul? Are we just going to have to replace them in a couple of months' time once they get sick of doing the drive? So a little bit of bias there from um, yeah. employer side. Because, I mean, these people could, could easily do the job and could stay there for years if it works for them. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's very dangerous making these broad broad brush assumptions. Probably the last piece for me was, um, I think, as, as a problem is perhaps a bit of a lack of education, thinking about transferable skill sets from different industries. So think about manufacturing, retail, hospitality. So these are industries where potentially there are individuals that could, could quite easily and effectively transition to aged care or to health generally, but they just don't know about what's in store for them, what they potentially have to do to get the opportunity and what a great career path it could be. So I think the problem is perhaps a broader education piece around how do we let the broader communities and the broader neighboring industries know about this, about our industry and what they need to do and what could be in it for them in terms of benefits and long-term career progression. Well, that all sounds really difficult and lots of problems. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't Can't do get anything it. about it. Sorry. Sorry, couldn't get to the mute button there. Sorry about that. Let's. Uh, <laughs> the main issue in this space, when I look at it next to Metro, I guess, is just the sheer lack of, of candidates that, that are going to go into into these roles. Whereas when we look at Metro, obviously, there's a, there's a huge amount of candidates. So that's, you know, hands down um, the number one problem. Um, what about from your side, Kyle? Do you sort of see, how do we, you know, what are the solutions in this space uh, as far as trying to find these candidates? I mean, Matt and, and Steph both probably touched on them there, but what are your thoughts? around the solutions in this space? Well, the big thing for me is that we don't, we don't necessarily, as Steph said, we don't necessarily recruit for the microcosm that is that, that facility. And so we treat the business so that the, the, the organisation, the aged care organisation, treats that facility differently. It's in a different location. It might have a different structure in terms of management. It has a different way of getting residents to go and live there at some point in their lives but we don't necessarily recruit differently. And so I think we, if, if there's an EVP for an organisation that has built out an EVP for, uh, for working for that organisation, uh, we may not have done the work to differentiate um, what it means to work in that regional location. And there's probably two prongs that come off that. One of them is people living in that region. So why should they look to work there? And we think about things in regional areas where maybe a huge manufacturing a factory shuts down after years of service and lots of people are displaced from their roles. Why would they, why should their first um, thought be to go and work in this aged care facility? And the second one is getting people to relocate. And relocation is going to be really, really, really key to getting fresh blood and quality of carers and, and um, care staff into aged care um, because a lot of a lot of elderly people live in regional areas. So the EVP needs to be split into two different parts, one of it being um, for local candidates and one of it being for candidates willing to relocate. And they also need to be shared. Now, when we talk about EVP, it doesn't need to be some huge overall purposeful structure. It just needs to come down, as we, as we talked about before in this podcast, it just needs to come down as part of an overall purpose of the organization and make it real um, when we look at regional candidates so we've talked about laws of attraction before when we talk about the 
um, the top drivers of attraction in regional areas, the number one, as it is with the rest of the world, is salary and compensation. And we know that we can't always do a lot better with PCWs and carers because of the sheer volume of employees that there is. But number two is work-life balance. Number three is job security. And number four is career development opportunities. And we can absolutely offer something here in regional areas for carers in all three of those buckets, work-life balance and the flexibility that comes with that and removing the bias that people might not want to travel for an hour because we might lose them eventually and start talking about the work-life balance that we can offer to retain them for longer. Things like job security is these aged care facilities aren't going anywhere. They're just getting fuller and fuller. We absolutely can meet those needs there. And for career opportunities, we absolutely can meet the, the needs there as well investing in people's careers in these regional areas so they become more qualified and more hours and so forth. We can meet all those factors. And the other part of it is taking advantage of what's happened with COVID. So relocating for a entry-level role with not the highest salary in normal world would not be a thing that we would really entertain or invest that much into because we know that not many people are going to relocate from the city where there's lots of hours available in aged care facilities at many facilities, I might work at three or four of them to live in a regional area, earning the same amount of money is maybe not the most appealing thing that I can do. However, COVID has created a situation where the partner of a carer might work in corporate world and that person can now work from home. And so this, this ongoing lifestyle change that people are choosing to do, people are moving regionally. They're choosing to pick up their family and move. If you as an aged care provider can package that up and talk about the community, talk about the work, the work-life balance, the lifestyle that you can lead in regional areas and your partner keeps their job working remotely, happy days. And I think if we can, if whoever jumps on that first and makes a, um, and makes a, a concerted effort to communicate what it's like to live in that regional area, what it's like to work at that facility and give them a really good picture of what that could be. It's actually not the, corporate high flyer that's going to be deciding where people move it'll be the carer and the person who can take that career opportunity and move their family with them for a better lifestyle i think if we can start to communicate that and build that out um we, we can win yeah, i don't know jd if there's if there's other other solutions there talking to things like community aspect of that because that's something that us city slickers sometimes forget about like it, it's it's a very different situation isn't it yeah, it does, mate. I think it kicks into what you're saying a little bit there, and actually reminds me of the the aged care roundtable uh, we went we ran up in Brisbane uh, well, pre COVID. Um, but there was a, a good bit of insight there from one of the uh, recruiters in in regional areas uh, around how they're just working in the community. They're sort of mindful that the the unemployment rates you know running at twenty five percent up there, so they understand that there's talent there. It's just that maybe that talent isn't skilled in in aged care, and there's there's a need to sort of uh, well, find them first, but then upskill them secondly. So finding them, they found is, is the relationships they have with, with the council or the local jobs network or the, the local supermarket or local TAFEs, you know, whatever it may be within that community and just build those relationships out to let, you know, people within the community that are unemployed, let them know that there's opportunities over here in aged care. We're really looking for them, you know. So how they work with 
that those community organisations is really important to sort of drive, you know, talent that's probably, it's not within their scope right now, but they can look at aged care and come over. But the next thing to that is, is up, upskilling. So they need to do something maybe with TAFE or, you know, learning. I'm hearing more clients taking learning uh, on board themselves, which is, which is interesting as well. So, so how they do, they upscale that talent is really interesting. But I think the other side of this coin, which is very interesting, probably kicks into what you're saying, Kyle, is, Anyone looking to relocate, and Matt, you touched on it as well, anyone looking to relocate into the area, into the town, uh, if you've got those community relationships set up, then anyone coming in that might feel somewhat isolated and don't know the town at all and a little bit scared about, you know, getting out of their comfort zone, you've already got relationships set up with maybe the local hospitality industry where, you know, the restaurants and the sporting clubs and all that sort of thing come into play. So you can connect that person to, you know, to the region really easily and effectively. So I think that's actually a nice little, well, it's a, it's a great little thing to do within the community. Um, and I think the other aspect uh, to that is, is the volunteering aspect. So, I mean, volunteering is a huge part of aged care and how you leverage that within the community obviously lends to that that EVP. You talk to, talk to Kyle, you know, that you have that position in the marketplace that you are within the community. So people see that and they're drawn to it. But I think what we're seeing more of these days actually is from the youth. Uh, they're, they're far more purpose and values driven. And I know a lot of my clients are really trying to look to drive you know, the, the younger demographic into their workforce. So I think with you know, the combination of, of the youth of today being so purpose and values driven and, and volunteering and aged care being such an important part of life, they've got a really nice proposi proposition to, those, to that youth. Um, so how they position it back into schools and, and TAFEs and unis and that kind of thing, I think may help build out a, a talent pipeline for the future. So yeah, I, I'm not sure if um, anyone's got any thoughts further about that, but that's... I think I would, I would just wrap up with, um, I think that the, this can be quite overwhelming. I mean, there's clearly lots of different moving parts to, to address some of these issues, but I think putting some time aside and putting a talent and attraction strategy, however basic in place, is is you know just going to help you manage these different aspects of it so um and it's something we can always help with um, and share insights around what other customers are doing but i think just getting something in place um and not expecting perfection straight away can can really help to move the dial a little bit on on some of these issues and i would say that removing the bias and understanding that the community in regional areas already exists and so you need to help new people integrate into that community or, into, or the organisation itself integrate into the community even further so that the trust and the respect and the knowledge of this brand and this place, that the aged care home that's there, facility that's there, um, is well known with existing candidates and it is a kind of pinnacle of the community, right? That's, that's the place you want to end up getting to. And I think the more that you assume what life is like and more that you assume what working at that facility is like, the less you're actually going to nail it. Well, thanks for that, team. Um, that was fantastic. I know, as I said originally, it's such a big problem, this. And as, as, as Matt alluded to there, you really need that sourcing strategy. So hopefully this has gone some way to helping you um, sort of lay out that strategy and maybe give you some thoughts and ideas on how about you go, how you go about it in your, your local market or your regional area. Um, but that's, uh, that's it for today. I, I hope it was useful. Um, but uh, thanks, thanks for listening and until um, next time. Thanks very much.